Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Offside Rule We Get It podcast with a very happy, jubilant, smiley, they can vouch for me, Lindsay Hooper. Can't you girls? You are very happy. I'll wipe that off your face in a bit. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I think I'll remind you what the topic's called in that case for topic two, which you're referring to. Um, yeah, Wolves got promoted to the championship um, at the weekend from League One, and I am very happy about that. Did they? Did they get promoted? It's just I don't pay much attention to League One. So Just get it out of your systems now, girls, because topic number two, you're going to have to have a Wolves love-in. Yes, that's what's coming up. We did it for Leicester City last week. We're doing it for Wolves. Now, I will be the one to say, I'm not going to go over the top because we belong at least in the Championship. So I don't think it's a massive, massive achievement, but it's great that we've got promoted. Um, We will have a bit of a love-in for my beloved Wolves in topic two. I thought you said that you wanted humiliating Wolves lines. Did you, Hayley? Not just humiliation, but jokes as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, girls, 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 you need to read that topic list again. Um, And finally, we'll go on to Easter resurrections. Now, last year we did an Easter theme, completely different to this one. Uh, This one was inspired because of an article that Kate Borsay found, which is a bit of a diamond, isn't it? It was found in my local newspaper, which is the News Shopper, and it's got local news written all over it. We will give you more details when we get to topic three, but it's all in the title, isn't it? Resurrections. It is extra special. (laughs) Oh, it's extravagant. Yes, Uh, we'll carry on with those for a bit longer. Any more? It's extraordinary. (laughs) And exciting. Oh, there we are. Um, It's no yoking matter. Um, We're going to go on to topic number one with the Offside Rules Manager of the Year. Um, It is the topic that everyone's discussing, isn't it? Lots of discussion this week, mainly about Liverpool and the brilliant Brendan Rodgers and what he is doing and it's been kind of up for debate as to who is manager of the season. For for this topic we do need to also put our predicting hats on because we have to sort of say well if Liverpool win the league if Liverpool come runners up if Liverpool just get Champions League football I think there is a direct link to whether you award him the award on the basis of those three things. Also there are other managers as we know that have got a real good claim to be manager of the year when you take into other things into consideration like budgets players that they've brought in how long they've been at the club the turnaround they've managed to have so we're going to stick with the Premier League just to make it fair because I think if we started comparing people like Sean Dyche with Brendan Rodgers it doesn't really get very fair does it so we'll stick with the top flight I'm going to fight the case for Steve Bruce in a few moments but we're going to start and I know that you're already Kate already we know who's going to do Brendan Rodgers so how about you Hayley? Okay well I'm also going to stay on Merseyside I actually put this out on Twitter a little earlier to ask you all to get involved and say who is your manager of the season on how it's based at the moment. Lots of you saying Brendan Rodgers. Um, quite a few saying Tony Pulis as well. Um, I had Aidan saying that uh, Rodgers has transformed uh, Liverpool into genuine title contenders. Um, some others saying Pulis has made a decent premiership team out of championship players. Um, yep, that's right. Sean Dyche, great results. Difficult to beat, especially with Volks and Ings and the partnership up front. So maybe that's not just the manager, but the fact he has a brilliant squad. Um, 
You've got Martinez for a new manager to come into an already established side and achieve their highest points tally is remarkable. That is right, Stuart Clark. So I have uh, agreed with uh, Stuart, not gone with Sean Dyche, not gone uh, with Steve Bruce, as you're going to go with, even though Richard Hinman has gone with him and saying, wow, promotion, Premier League survival and an FA Cup final in under two years is quite sublime. Does this mean that even though Richard has, you shouldn't? It doesn't matter that Richard has. (laughs) And we've got a couple of other people saying as well, actually, that it should be David Moyes for just giving us uh, pure entertainment all season. That has come in from a Liverpool fan. But yeah, Martinez, I interviewed him at the beginning of the season for a, a magazine I was writing for and I was kind of sitting there thinking, OK, great, I think this man has such a huge task on his shoulders. He's filling the boots of David Moyes. I genuinely thought that Moyes, we all knew had a bigger task stepping into Sir Alex Ferguson's boots, would do better than Martinez and it might be Martinez that struggled. And my goodness, he's done the opposite. He's just gone about his business quietly, efficiently and absolutely brilliantly. He's got the best out of Ross Barkley and a future Everton star. A few of us obviously saw glimpses of him, but under Martinez, he's chosen to play him and uh, just show um, exactly what he has in a squad. Now, we all know he lost Maram Fellaini, but you thought, oh, well, they're losing this player who was, let's not forget, brilliantly at Everton. He just managed to fit in there, but taking him out and Martinez then going and making the best out of loan business when he didn't have a lot of money provided... Um, to him has just done it just so well. I do think they're going to keep hold of that fourth spot. I don't know what it is that Martinez does, but I think it was a brilliant decision bringing him in and, and long may he continue doing wonderful things at Everton. If Liverpool go on and win the league, I mean, just how much excitement is that going to be? Everton and Liverpool, both in the Champions League and both battling it out, maybe even for the title next season. Well, those are the ifs and buts that we need to debate because I think if Martinez gets Champions League football, as you're alluding that you think he's going to hang on to fourth spot with Everton and Liverpool drop down the league and they maybe finish in second or third and the thing that they're they're celebrating is Champions League football then Martinez becomes the bigger contender doesn't he for for manager of the year because they've both got Champions League football yet if you compare clubs and the backing and also the background um, as well in history then Everton is a bigger achievement to get Champions League football. And he's actually completely changed the style of play as well. It's not like he's just taking over from what David Moyes has done and sticking to his tactics, a lot more attacking, which is what we want to see. The other thing which is a great sign is when you speak to people on Merseyside and the blue side of Merseyside, you say about when David Moyes left and in their eyes at the time was poached for Manchester United, they were gutted about it, absolutely gutted. And now they say, David who? (laughs) David who? Who's he? You mentioned Poach, he's literally scrambled at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> We've got that egg theme continuing throughout the podcast. Um, we will um, move on to Kate, who's going to talk about Brendan Rodgers. What I will say is about Brendan Rodgers, I don't think anyone can disagree that if Liverpool win the title, having come from seventh place last season, which I'm sure is going to be part of your argument, coming from seventh place last season to winning the whole thing, 24 years, I think it's difficult to argue against it. So I'm going to say on our basis that we're suggesting that Liverpool maybe slip up. So I would, I'm really interested in Kate's argument for if they come runners-up or third. Well, if they come runners-up, I'm still going to go for Brendan Rodgers because if you look at where we were last season and you talk about the seventh-place finish, Lindsay, but don't forget the Luis Suarez biting incident. The mood was very low at the club. Brendan Rodgers was trying to get his message across. None of us Liverpool fans were entirely sure that he was going to do that. All that we'd seen from him, the most that we'd seen from him, was on that brilliant documentary, Being Liverpool. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay. 
here's my case for Brendan Rodgers for manager of the season. You look at the size of Liverpool's squad and you compare that to the size of Chelsea's squad and Manchester City's squad and their squads go beyond the 11 players on the pitch. Liverpool don't have that depth. The honest truth is is that Liverpool have overperformed this season and they've done that under Brendan Rodgers. It's about gathering the talent for him and giving the players the drive to do that, to overperform. And about exploiting your strengths and protecting your weaknesses. Now, Benitez is Liverpool, if we're to go back to the last manager uh, at Liverpool who stayed for a significant amount of time and enjoyed some success. His side was all about the defence. Rodgers knows that he's got a weak defence, so what does he do? He exploits the side strength, which is goals. So for him, and if you look at the goals, we're talking about just under 2.75 goals per game. That's unheard of since the 80s for Liverpool. I mean, it's fantastic. And he's done a very canny job of exploiting our power up front. Uh, One of his biggest achievements as well as surely has got to be the way that he's got Stephen Gerrard to play in this new role and also Jordan Henderson how he's brought him on hang on hang on <laughs> Lindsay Hooper the points will continue now the side with the best defence normally wins the league that's Chelsea by some way at the moment Liverpool down in eighth but it would be great if they broke that really broke that pattern um, going all out for goals could have been risky couldn't it for Rodgers but it's really paying off and it's brought the entertainment factor back to Anfield as well it's made them really exciting to watch and when you look at the midfield and when you look at the big tournament that we have coming up in the summer and what better preparation to have had Liverpool winning the title crest of a wave Steven Gerrard's last ever big you know tournament you'd have to think and you'd pretty much have I would have pretty much half of Liverpool in that England side wouldn't you I have to say by the way have you spotted this Hayley that um, this seems like a politician's (laughs) speech here look Kate Borsay has got like two pages of A4 as to why Brendan Rodgers should get manager of the season I will let you into a preparation secret I started thinking about this this morning at about half past six (laughs) you started thinking about this months ago I started thinking about putting this down on paper about half past six and I thought I'll just jot down a few notes for myself It's turned into a flipping manifesto. And as I was writing it, I was thinking, this is like a blog. I thought I should just turn this into a blog because it's like... Rogers for president, you know, really. Um, finally, let's finish on finance because you could start to throw accusations around that Brendan Rogers has, has had a fairly good budget, but actually he hasn't when you look at the biggest revenue losers of the league. So you look at teams and what they've spent and what they've got back. Now, last season, Brendan Rogers' Liverpool were third worst in terms of losing revenue on player transactions. They lost just over £50 million. This season, they are the 11th worst. They've lost around £21.5 million. So what I'm saying is, is that relatively, when you look at the 10 teams above them, they've actually been more economical. Rodgers has made some canny buys. Daniel Sturridge, Mignolet, uh, more than brave enough to send Pepe Reina out to pasture at Napoli. He's rejuvenated the careers, as you mentioned, Lindsay, of Jordan Henderson. He's kept Stephen Gerrard in a Liverpool shirt for a few more seasons than he would have done normally. He knows how to handle Suarez. He's really brought on and developed players like John Flanagan and Raheem Sterling as well. Can I say one last thing? No, well, I was just about to say, anyway, this has got a Wolves loving on the podcast, not a Liverpool loving. <laughs> one last thing. The man who's quoted as saying, you train dogs, I like to educate players. The man who likes to quote Latin to his players, Per Aspera ad Astra, which had Jamie Carragher turning around going, do you want us on the Astros then, boss? <laughs> He's the man who gets my vote as manager of the season. Um, I'm going to go with Steve Bruce and Hull City. Uh, The reason why I've gone for Steve Bruce, um, after leading Hull City to promotion to the Premier League last season, I think uh, after finishing runners-up, many people 
wrote Hull City off mm. for the Premier League this season straight away. They doubted that Bruce could keep the Tigers in the Premier League and they certainly thought that they would be down fighting it out at this point in the season. Now, although they're not mathematically safe, they're currently in 13th position in the league as we record this podcast and have never really looked in threat, have they? You've been down in the bottom three. So um, that's a massive uh, a massive plus point for Bruce. Um, so all those people that were seeing them as favourites for relegation, well, why has he turned it round? Why has he done so well in my book? I think his signings were pretty impressive. Uh, the people that he bought in, Tom Huddleston has really shone at Hull. Shane Lung was a great um, acquisition, along with Nikita Jelovic from Everton. Um, Jelovic, I think, could have got more goals um, for Hull, but I think it's a long-term investment. The other thing that I would say about Steve Bruce and Hull is how many times have you heard Hull City being talked about um, in terms of providing England talent? Uh, Roy Hodgson has been told by many different mm-hmm. quarters, actually, you should be sitting up and paying attention to Hull City right now because the form of Curtis Davis in particular, Jake Livermore and Tom Huddleston as I've mentioned has really led to many people saying you know why aren't they going to Brazil now never before would you have seen Hull players um, being questioned about being in the in the England squad or, or having a good cause to be um, so I think that's down to the management of Steve Bruce, the way that Hull have been playing and although I don't think many Hull players will be going on that plane out to, to Rio and Brazil for, for the World Cup this summer, I do you think the fact that they've been in contention has been a, a great milestone? Um, they're obviously through to the FA Cup final as well after this weekend, beating Sheffield United 5-3. They're in a final if, I guess this is another if and but, if they win the FA Cup final and they beat Arsenal, even more so cause for Steve Bruce to maybe get the award. Hi, this is Kirsty Gallagher and I love the Offside Rule podcast. And we'll move on now to topic number two. Oh, Boy, oh boy, uh, this is a Wolves loving, guys. And I know it's going to pain you to do it, but you're going to have to. It's in the rules, starting with Hayley. What did the Wolves fan say, Lindsay, when you stepped on his foot? I don't know. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Great. Okay, uh, time to redeem yourself then. Where's the loving part? Um, Well... There isn't really a love in here. Oh, I've just found some Hayley. some very funny stories indeed. Uh, my other one, this is great. And this actually just shows the spirit of the club and you all have a sense of humour. The fan who received the shirt in the post, he got his new shirt, was really excited ahead of the new season. And what happens? Your wolf sign is upside down on the shirt. He was so distraught. He wrote a letter to the club complaining about this. The club actually wrote back to him with a letter which was typed upside down just for a laugh. But they did actually offer him um, free tickets for a game against Shrewsbury and a chance to meet the players and get his famous shirt signed. So it's very funny. Um, Okay, before I do my love-in, we'll get to Kate. Um, Here's a nice fact about Wolves for you. This is from three years ago, but in the all-time table since the league's inception in 1888, Wolves sit in the all-time top four behind only Man United, Liverpool and Arsenal. Not bad. Very good, very good. That's the 50s there. We were brilliant in the 50s. So I presume that that probably still stands. Um, I've just got a few factoids to throw out to you. The club was formed as St Luke's FC in 1877, but merged with a local cricket club two years later and became known as Wolverhampton Wanderers. They don't say what happened to the cricketers, though. Perhaps you kept them on, I don't know. Um, Mick McCarthy, he's a big asset, or was a big asset to your team. It's just a shame that you got rid of him, isn't it? Anyway, we like Mick for his quotes. 
One of my favourite ones of all time. At the moment, we've got 16 players. My initials stand for Mick McCarthy, not Merlin the Magician. And I think he said that more than once, didn't he? I was having a look at some Mick McCarthy quotes. Too many to mention, but if you're ever on YouTube, pop on and have a look because there are some diamond ones there. They are brilliant. And James, who does a lot for us on the Offside Rule, we get it on the website, sent a link to a YouTube um, video where Mick McCarthy looks to be getting scared of nothing. He's actually, in my opinion, swatting a wasp. Um, but there is a very funny clip if you wanted to see that as well. Mick's back, by the way. He's going to be one of the managers in Jodie Craddock's testimonial, May the 5th. I suggest you get yourself to Molyneux, Lindsay, for that one. Um, in case you don't know, listeners, Lindsay's in love with Mick McCarthy. <laughs> uh, he is her absolute hero. Right. Um, I think you both could have done better, in fairness. <laughs> However, um, I'm going to make up for that. How, why do you think NASA sent some astronauts to Molyneux? Why? Because it's the only stadium in England that has no atmosphere. <laughs> you can't end on that in a loving, a wolf's loving. I'm only kidding. I just found that online. Um, I'm going to go on to my loving, um, which is what this was all about. Um, <laughs> wolves. I'm going to go back to February 1998. And it was a match that I was at and one that is very fond in my memories. You must have only been like, what, three yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. I think I was, like, leaving school and age, going into college. Um, Steve Bull scored his 300th goal for the club in the 2-1 win over Bradford. Stevie Bull, Stevie Bull's a tatter, he wears a tatter's hat. He comes from Wolverhampton, he is a lovely chap. He scores down the left wing, he scores down the right. And when we play the Albion, he scores all night. Um, (laughs) Anyway. I do apologise for the slight interruption to transmission whilst Lindsay Hooper loses her But anyway, um, coming back to proceedings and the goal in question, um, Carl Robinson had actually opened the scoring against Bradford for Wolves with a sublime volley. It was a really good goal. And I remember jumping out of my seat, just being so excited. And then as a substitute, Steve Bull was waved to go and do his warm-up down down the touchline. And everyone got really excited because he'd been out injured for quite a few months. And we knew he was so close to getting his 300th goal for the club. Um, So he's starting to warm up and he comes on. And there's an in-swinging, I think it was either a free kick or from open play, but the the ball comes into the box. And Steve Ball, when it comes to heading the ball, was brilliant. Downward header, you're like, it's going to go in the back of the net, it's going to go in the back of the net. And it did. Everyone erupted. And he had underneath this white T-shirt on, which had got about celebrating his 300th goal for the club. And he ran over to the fans. I just remember being ecstatic. And that was one of the moments when I thought... I'm wolves through and through for life now. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Steve Ball. Um, So anyway, that season, we didn't finish as well as the season before because 96-97, I was working and uh, going to quite a lot of Wolves matches. I think we finished about third in the league. It was a real disappointment that we didn't go up. Um, 97-98 finished about ninth. But that season... 97-98 season we also got through to the semi-finals of the FA Cup and we lost to the eventual double winners of that season Arsenal it was quite a season I really enjoyed um, watching them that year Um, my other memory alert 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 is not a Mick McCarthy one it's almost like breaking news shock horror it's not Mick McCarthy (laughs) exactly Uh, this comes from when I was at university my final year at uni Um, I had a final project due that I'm I'm the sort of person that leaves everything pretty much last minute. So um, certainly at university, I was having way too much fun doing other things at university, including student radio and things like that. So I hadn't really been on top of my final year project and it was due in the next 
day and I needed to pull an all-nighter and actually time was ticking by and I had time running out I'd got some books out the library that had to be due back and oh you know I got all these things on my mind but Wolves were in the playoff final and they're playing Sheffield United to get promoted to the Premier League for the first time in 19 years of asking Dave Jones in charge and I went down into the communal you know when you're at halls at university they have like a communal lounge area and I completely took over the television because as you can imagine Loughborough University wasn't exactly heaving with Wolves fans there were a few of us um, but I decided that was it I'm watching the playoff final so we got we got it on um, and anybody that came in looking like they wanted to change channel I just glared at um, and we watched it a few me and my, a few of my, my friends and we were 3-0 up by half time mm. It was an amazing feeling. Um, I've never celebrated or felt so jubilant. And it really made it really difficult to write my final year project because I was so excited. So I managed to get a good score in my final year project as well as the happy ever after to the story. But um, I didn't actually start working on it until about 11pm in the evening. And I had to pull an all-nighter in order to get it done. So that's me done. And you both have just fallen asleep. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. I think it's time for Twitter Topic of the Week, Sean. Twitter Topic of the Week. Well, first things first, congratulations to all our competition winners who are going to be off to see Liverpool ladies against the Manchester City women. Now, last week we asked you guys to give us some of your favourite FAWSL moments. So congratulations to Kelly Humes, who went for Steph Hewton's worldie goal against Lincoln. Congratulations to David Mantle, who went for Bristol Academy, coming back from 3-0 down at halftime to beat Donny Bells. And also congratulations to Tom Johnson, who went for Megan Harris's fantastic volley against Arsenal and well done to all of the other winners as well and that's not the only thing which has been going on with Twitter topic of the week because we had the hashtag ORP Ask City Q&A session on Twitter where you guys could put the questions to Manchester City women's Tony Duggan and Stephanie Hewton you can enjoy the full transcript of that Q&A on Offside Rule Podcast com. See, it's all, it's all go here on the Offside Rule podcast, I'm telling you. I've been Sean Thorne and I'm going to hand you back to the girls. Thanks very much for that, Sean. And it was a slightly different Twitter topic of the week, that one, with a Q&A with uh, Steph Horton and Tony Duggan. Great to get them on board. And the Women's Super League getting underway this week, which is why we've done that. Um, also to mention that Kate Borsay was very busy at the launch, the official launch of the new FAWSL season, weren't you? I was, yeah, and we've got a season preview up as a bit of a podcast special um, on Audioboo, on the website, and via iTunes to download as well. That's an extra special, extra special one this week. And topic number three, we're going on to Easter resurrections for this year. So it's not just about the chocolate eggs, as we know. And Kate Borsay has found a gem of a story in her local newspaper. You say the website, because apparently I can't. It's the news shopper. Now, if you live in um, sort of Greenwich, Blackheath, Charlton, Bromley, any sort of southeast London place, you will know the news shopper very well. The gem of a story, do you want to know what it, what it is? In fact, I'm just going to give you the headline. Bromley woman who is god of an alien race was engaged to Arsene Wenger in the 15th century. Oh, yes, folks. Love a bit of local news. Um, this woman claims that she was engaged to Arsene Wenger while she was Joan of Arc and he was the heir to the French throne which is the Dauphin of France. Um, She told news shopper, Mr Wenger and I were engaged in a previous life. He was the same man that we know today. Highly intelligent, but very stubborn. The big problem is he never has a plan B. Arsenal will not win the Premier League this season because of that. Yeah, everyone's a fan, aren't they? Everyone's a fan, especially if you were engaged to Arsene Wenger in a past life. 
And not just a past life, we're talking the 15th century. Um, she obviously can re- regress quite a lot. Um, anyway, with that in mind, we're thinking of former lives. So I've actually taken two angles on this for our final topic. So there are two tasks for you both. Uh, firstly, if you can resurrect any former manager, who would it be and why? Who would you gift them to? Let me know. And task number two is to choose two current players or managers and tell us who you think they could have been in a former life. Um, I'm very interested to find out Hayley McQueen's thoughts on this one. That Wenger story is just weird. That woman's obviously got fantasies of Wenger and has decided to kind of delve into the back of her head and have this weird dream which she's turned into reality via the medium of a medium. All very weird. But speaking of spirits, who better to bring back the Manchester United's team spirit and literally bring them back from the dead, Sir Matt Busby. I would like to see him come back, take over Manchester United and just help David Moyes, even if he weren't to come back an actual person, but was there as a spirit in Moyes' office, as a spirit to head down to training to Carrington and help look after Manchester United. I don't know what else it's going to take to do that. Um, My other, I'd quite like Brian Clough to come back. I would like Cluffy because it would be nice to show him what his son has done and what he's achieved. Yes, he's had his ups and downs, as we know, has Nigel, but um, to, to, to have him there and, and tell him all about how he managed Derby County and uh, stayed on at Burton Albion, where he was, of course, with his dad uh, before he passed away back in 2004. Um, obviously, he's at Sheffield United right now, but... I'd love to have him and I'd actually quite like to have him managing a team whilst his son's managing a team and why not stick him in charge of Leeds? Utter turmoil there. Mm. He could go back and have another chance. They're actually the damned United at the moment but more damned than I think they were back in the 70s when he was in charge but just to bring Brian Clough back and just show him what his son's done and just bring back the Cloughy of old. He's one of those players that you know when you ask if you have a dinner party you could um, have managers around a table dead or alive he'd always be one of the ones that would be up there for me. I've gone with Brian Clough as well. He just had that sort of personality, didn't he? But I'm going to gift him to West Brom. Do you know why? West Brom always have such nice managers, don't they? It's time someone came and ruffled things up a bit. Roy Hodgson, Steve Clark, Pepe Mel, lovable but hapless and boring, all very nice people. It's time to get a dirty man in there, mix things up a bit and uh, get the team performing. I think they need a bit of a personality. Maybe that's where they're going wrong. That's why I've sent Cluffy to West Brom. Okay, um, I'm resurrecting Sir Bobby Robson. Um, I was actually fortunate enough to have met him at the Sports Personality of the Year Awards 2007 when he got the Lifetime Achievement Award and Sir Alex Ferguson, who'd not been speaking to the BBC, actually turned <laughs> up to give him his award. Um, everybody in that room, because you speak to all the old players that were there and that they're in sort of celebration of, of his achievements, his life achievements, and not anybody had a bad word to say about Sir Bobby Robson and that translates up and down the leagues, across all the people I've ever really chatted to about football and you ask them their favourite the characters or favourite managers or players um, and if you're having those discussions, his name always comes up. I think he was held in very high regard. Um, it was a sixth anniversary actually of the Bobby Robson Foundation just uh, last month. They broke through the £7 million barrier uh, after it's the biggest year of fundraising to date so it'd be nice to have him back to tell him just how his legacy has been not just on the football pitch but to the millions of pounds that were raised to help give back to other people who are also suffering uh, from various uh, illnesses 
illnesses mainly mainly cancer and the fact that they've been put back into the foundation and, and other people are, are managing to take from that. Absolutely. I think he'd be so chuffed with that, wouldn't he? I mean, um, Craig Bellamy as well in his book paid great homage because I think a lot of people think that Craig Bellamy didn't get on with Sir Bobby Robson very well, but it was a bit of a love-hate relationship. And in his book, he actually talks about him being the best manager he ever worked with. Well, you think of all the managers that Craig Bellamy has worked under. That's quite an accolade. And he says that he just was a great man manager. He bought out the best in people. And one of the quotes that I loved was that he said that when he was on the bench at St. James's Park, he felt like he was going to play like the best player in the world. Isn't that what you want from a manager to make you feel like? We're pretty much done apart from our regressions. So who are we regressing back to a former life? I think um, Joey Barton was Vincent van Gogh. Why? Okay. Well, he wears that funny little hat, doesn't he? Always colourful. Yeah. A bit of an artist on the pitch, but not perfect. When you look at his paintings, they are a work of art, but you know they're not perfect. They're kind of a bit blobby and all over the place. A little bit like Joey Barton. Hugely talented, bit quirky. You can imagine him doing something mental like cutting his ear off, okay? I think if you ask Mourinho who he was in a past life, he would just stare back at you and go, Einstein. (laughs) <laughs> he really thinks he was as special uh, as him. So there you have it. <laughs> Kate say. Well, on the Arsene Wenger tip, forget about him being the Dauphine of France. I think Arsene Wenger was Joan of Arc in a past life, and I'll tell you my arguments why. Waging war on the British press, of course, Joan of Arc, uh, n- known for her work in battle, um, it was acknowledged that Joan was the heroine of the engagement after she was wounded by an arrow between her neck and her shoulder. She came back into battle. A bit like Arsene Wenger, didn't know when just to drop it. Didn't know when to say, I'm done, that's it, enough already. She came back into battle. Um, she was excluded from war councils back in the 15th century as well. Um, and, and I get the feeling that sometimes, if there was to be like a little magician circle of managers where they all swap you know, players who are available and occasionally maybe Sam Allardyce gets a little whisper from outside the little magic circle of top managers, I get the feeling that Arsene Wenger's excluded from that circle of managers, from that council of managers when they're talking about players available, because why else would he not have signed anyone for so long and when he did sign someone, um, he played three good months and then couldn't give him anything else. Uh, Joan, of course, was executed. I can only hope that the same fate doesn't befall Wenger. <laughs> or maybe it will by the end of the season. Who knows? Off with his head. Is that what you're saying? OK, um, I'm going to go with, in a former life, AVB was Dr Watson. <laughs> who is Dr Watson? You're looking so blankly at me. Do you not know who Dr Watson is? No. Sherlock Holmes? Oh, I've never seen it. So, so Dr Watson, Hayley, um, he liked his notebook. He liked being very organised about things. He'd be the meticulous one, you know, scribbling down all the details in a crime, trying to piece it together, trying to work it out. But of course, who would come to the actual rescue and actually nail the crime scene? It would be Sherlock Holmes, which of course makes Jose Mourinho Sherlock. Oh, I see. I like it. AVB, Dr Watson, Hmm. Sherlock Holmes, Mourinho. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, we'll go. Did they have Penfold in that? No, <laughs> no, they didn't. No, they didn't. Oh, Wrong one. Your mouse. Yeah, <laughs> completely different. One's a cartoon. I'm absolutely useless. Surely there was another little character in Sherlock Holmes, or was it just Doctor Watson and the other dude? Sherlock, <laughs> <laughs> his, his assistant. That was Watson. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hayley McQueen, you need to go and rent the black and white version of Hound of the Baskervilles. Yes, just go and do that, will you? Uh, We're going to catch up on all things French football. Are you a bit more up to date on that? No. (laughs) (laughs) Here's Lord James. 
One of my favourite stories to emerge from France in the past fortnight is Marcel of Yelsa's move to Marseille. The club's on standby waiting for word from the former Athletic Bilbao boss that he'll take up the manager's role after being offered a two-year deal. Known as El Loco, it's hoped he will restore that passion which both the club and fans appear to have lost since Eli Bop left back in December. That's the last time they had a permanent coach at the helm. Meanwhile, Monaco are actively searching for someone to replace Claudio Ranieri, even making it clear they take Laurent Blanc from rivals Paris Saint-Germain. Blanc, who was offered a deal last week, has said he will wait until after the club's Coupe de la Ligue final against Lyon this weekend before deciding on his future. Montpellier's Rémi Cavaya, who Newcastle were reasonably close to signing in January before President Louis-Nicolas snubbed their offer, is a transfer target once again. The attacking midfielder's father, Hector, who acts as his agent, has been invited to talk with Inter, Atletico Madrid and Manchester United in recent months, but United could want him to come in as part of a major squad reshuffle. Frenchman Nicolas Anelka has shrugged off rumours he's signing for Brazilian club Atletico Mineiro. The player claims, I've not signed for anyone, I'm on holiday, while the club say he's taken too long to close a deal. Finally, if you really want to sharpen up on French football and its future, download French Football Weekly's Le Sancant, looking at the best 50 young players in Ligue 1. It comes very highly recommended. Thank you very much for that, Law. Um, well, whilst we send Hayley McQueen on a course to find out about Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson and uh, just improve your knowledge on that. I'm blonde. You've got to let me get away with it, surely. <laughs> it's my excuse for everything. We'll leave you a danger mouse instead, I think. Um, thank you very much. That's been episode 34 of the Offside Rule podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. Check out the website, offsiderulepodcast.com and join us again next week for more antics. The female take on football. 